We're Alex and Stu, old friends living in different countries, talking about our lives as creative professionals, the things we're into, what we're learning, and telling tales of the fun we're having along the way. This is our way of helping to have a glass half full approach to life, and we're hoping it can help you too. Welcome to The Last Half. Hey Alex, how's it going? Really good, mate. This is exciting. This is um, something we've discussed a couple of times, isn't it, over the, the last few years and never quite got round to doing it. But yeah, I'm excited to just be able to sit down and talk to you more often. If this can force us to come together and have a catch up, it's good to see your face because usually we'll just swap a text or something, won't we? So um, yeah. yeah, and we can contextualise why that is maybe, Stu, why we don't you know see each other that often. But um, I'm good. How are you? Not too bad. End of the week. Um, been a busy 12 months, I think, of, of work and life. And uh, hoping that this podcast will give us an opportunity to reflect on that and think about things moving forward. Um, I think you and I are both quite similar. And I think we have a lot of passions and uh, similar interests that it's probably going to be really interesting, certainly for us, probably not for our wives, uh, but maybe for <laughs> other people who uh, who have similar interests. So, um, yeah, people like And us. in the meantime we get to enjoy a nice drink at let's have a cheers half. let's have a cheers yeah. for our episode one cheers oh, to my camera pilot. Here cheers to you cheers to you al cheers to you who is watching this program podcast and probably thinking i'm going to turn this off anytime soon um so before we get going alex tell me a little bit or tell everyone a little bit about yourself so uh i'm alex i'm uh I'm a creative at heart. I'm a writer, director, cinematographer. I'm also co-founder of the content agency Clearhead. Um, And that agency has been running for 15 years. That agency was started uh, out of university. So straight from university started the business. And that's all I've ever known, really. So, you know, done some freelancing, had my own clients uh, on the side over the years. But mostly it's been building and running um, the, the, the agency and writing, directing, and uh, filming all of our films, pretty much. So yeah, now we're a, a, a team of 12, but really passionate about film, really passionate about writing and storytelling, uh, love cinematography and photography and lighting. And yeah, this is, I mean, doing this podcast is a big, um, hopefully going to be a really big creative outlet for me as well, um, because a lot of my stuff is seen but not a lot is heard from me about that stuff. So, you know, it's another creative outlet to be able to uh, get myself out there and for people to hear about my life as well as Stu's life and our creative lives. And yeah, that's what's really exciting for me. What about you, Stu? Uh, Give well, us a bit. I've heard, I've heard that story a few times <laughs> because we used to work together, didn't we, Alex? Well, we did, didn't um, we, Stu? Uh, maybe you can give the guys, well, tell the guys what you're up to now and then maybe we can contextualise how we first met. <laughs> Well, right now I'm living in Spain. I'm a freelance sound and film and audio podcast producer, which brings me to this room, which looks nothing like Spain. But because I work remotely with most of the people, most of my clients are based in the UK or global brands. So I I do a lot of sound work and podcast production for um, interesting brands. So that's me now and i'll probably bore you guys about how that came about in the in the long run and how that's been developing over the last 12 months um but it's certainly a skill set that i've sort of created and over the last 
well, 35 years, <laughs> the first half, um, <laughs> but more more specifically over the last sort of 10, 12, 15 years, I suppose. Yeah. And so tell us a bit about that, um, how it all started, Stu, and then, you know, how did you end up where you are now? How did how did that whole uh, transition into Spain happen? Um, let's say that I pretended to be in bands, uh, realised I wasn't very good at being in bands, but was better at working with bands. The producer worked on the sound and mixing and producing, had a little studio. Got to know Alex through... Um, well, we we actually inhibited the same same building. I had a little studio downstairs. Alex's company had a had the top floor, as fancy as they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got to know each other. We first worked on our first uh, creative project together. It was a charity project for a Christmas cover of uh, Do They Know It's Christmas using a load of lo- local artists and bands. And uh, yeah, we started working together. It seems like we had a lot in common. Started picking up some sound work for Clearhead and, and got to know the team. And, and Alex and I got on we might go on really well um and then became more of a t- part of the team on a full-time basis a couple of years later moved on decided to to move into to london and started working for an agency there and as of getting married in 2018 actually moved out to spain because let's face it there's a lot of rain in the uk and uh who wouldn't make such a decision. And uh, that was four years ago. And here we are. And I'm now a father of two and a married man. So yeah, had a lot of figure here back when we worked together, Alex, but you know, still yeah, holding barely. on in there. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, mate. Yeah, it's mad. It's been it's gone so quickly, isn't it? Since uh, meeting and um, that whole journey together has been, yeah, great. It's been really quick. It's been up and down. Can't say I was the happiest when you decided to leave England, but... Uh, you didn't get rid of me that quickly. I've been over there quite a lot um, when I could pre-COVID. And uh, unfortunately, the last couple of years have been pretty difficult to to see each other. Actually, Stu came over with his family uh, yeah, just before um, Christmas, or was it around Christmas? Um, we got to see each other. I got to meet his kids for the first time in person, which was just mad considering you know how often we would see each other pre- prior to, to that. And uh yeah, just but like no time had passed. Like just you know being able to fit into that that groove as if we'd seen each other all together yesterday. So that was amazing. Um, and hopefully um, we get the opportunity to to visit each other more as the world returns to a more normal space, um, which we all hope for. Uh, but yeah, it, it's good. It's good that we can still catch up and see each other on things like Zoom and you know. Um, FaceTime and all that sort of stuff, which we don't do enough of. But uh, this is why this this podcast is a bit of a, an extra excuse for us to catch up and keep in each other's lives because uh, we're both super super busy. But um, making time for this is really important to us. So yeah, so it's, it's just um, we wanted this podcast to really be uh, an opportunity for us to catch up and for us to talk about our lives. But we feel that there's probably a lot of value that we can share and give to people that want to listen to us right like that maybe in the same creative space as us maybe in the same uh life space as us being two nearly middle-aged guys uh starting I think nearly i think we're very much middle-aged. Nah, 40s like middle age i'm gonna say 35 i mean i'm 36 <laughs> next week but um if i make it to 75 mate and i've done well you were you were with this Spanish uh, Spanish diet that you're now on, Stu. So you know, uh, <laughs> no, I definitely won't with the yeah, Spanish. Diet. We're coming up to middle age. We're not there yet. I say four. Let's say forty. Um, but the last half, practically the last half of our of our lives, which is 
why yeah. we titled the podcast the last half yeah and it has a lot of positive connotations as well doesn't it you know our glass is uh half full um and we're looking at yourself mine's nearly empty <laughs> i haven't touched <laughs> mine yet uh my little uh oh my little rum and coke there but yeah, so, you know, we've got the best best years to come and uh, we just wanted to be able to share um, what's going on in our lives, the ups and downs, and hopefully you can find some value in that. And, uh, yeah, it'd be great great to, to to have you guys come back and listen to us. Uh, I don't know how often we're going to do this yet. Um, we haven't quite discussed that, but hopefully as often as we can. So, um, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I think we both have a have an aim for this to not only sort of vent, I guess, and, and sort of just bounce with each other and share things together, but also get to share it with like-minded people. You know, we, we're very passionate about what we do, whether it be film, sound, or anything sort of creative in, in that space. And I think there's a lot of people that have a similar way of life and certainly wanted to share that and, and get to even some, you know, hopefully people start to interact with this and, and share their own experiences so we can learn off them as, in terms of, in the way that we hope to learn from you guys. And hopefully we can share that with you. So I think we should probably start. We have four topics in this podcast that we'd like to go through and it's show and tell, if you will. Um, Alex and I have both got a, a an instance of work that we'd like to share, of fun, of love and life. Um, so without further ado, I think it'd be great to start with our work life. Alex, tell me, Hey, tell everyone what is on your mind with work at the moment and what's been your, what's been your focus work-wise? So with work at the moment, I think, you know, I've been, I've been working in the same, under the same guise for 15 years, definitely with different people, definitely on different types of projects. Um, at the moment we're, we're on a growth trajectory you know a good growth curve and with that we're super busy you know i think um probably everyone in the creative industries is super busy at the moment it was definitely a hard time when covid hit at the start of 2020 it was a hard time for me personally there was a lot going on that um made it tumultuous but um and we had to pivot we had to pivot as a business quite hard to be able to not not just survive but just to keep keep going and we're very fortunate to have got through that first 18 months without letting and having to let anyone go you know having to um say you know sorry we can't afford to keep you i think we've, we're very proud of ourselves that we were able to to keep going but it took a lot of effort uh sacrifice and creativity in order to do that how could we pivot out of it and that's really continued into uh today where we're continually trying to pivot ourselves to maximize um opportunities and what we can do you know we're working on a lot of um the thing great... is i just want to jump yeah, in on. like i as a freelancer right i've been freelance for the last four years nearly mm -hmm. and obviously when this happened and everything happened with COVID, like I had the same thing. But I think about the stress that I had with that, suddenly being told, look, you know, everything that you know and you can offer people as a as a as a service, you can't offer it because no one can afford to do it or no one can do it because of what's happening. And that was really super stressful. And then I just think like someone like yourself, who had and has everything that you have and the responsibilities of that, like that stress is tenfold. Like, and anyone watching this as a freelancer knows that stress of like 
where's my next paycheck coming from? And you're like, <laughs> not just my paycheck, like shit, where's the next 10 paychecks coming for for the next 10 months? You know, like, yeah. I can't, I don't even uh, want to imagine that. No, and you know, we're, we're, a, we're a small to medium sized business with there's 12 of us full time. And, you know, we, we, we do um, employ a lot of freelancers, but um, it was still a massive uh, moment of, we weren't scared, but, you know, uncertainty. And I think, look, we, we took advantage of government support and we did all that we could to um, keep our company going and to, to keep our staff employed. That was our main focus was, can we get through the end of this uh, with everyone, you know, uh, still in a job? You know, it wasn't, it wasn't just about profit. It wasn't, uh, you know, it definitely wasn't about growth at that point. And yeah, we had a great management, senior management team come together, including my business partner, to pivot and figure out how we could do that. And, you know, early 2020, I'd gone through a rough, rough patch of stress and, this certainly didn't help that by February, March, we were going into COVID. Um, but, you know, you do what you got to do. And and how did that, like, now, how has that now affected what your day-to-day is now? Like, what's... And well, are you, are you, yeah, within so, that, are you happy with it? Like, is that what you aimed for now, looking back on it? Yeah, so in some ways, it definitely... Just before that moment in time and, and during it, I had to make some personal decisions. I had to um do what was best for me and sort of adjust my role accordingly um to support that you know i had to take some of the the pressure off unfortunately uh, my business partner and others and other senior managements understood that and were supportive of that um decision and so my role uh, changed from being the creative director to uh chief creative officer so that we can employ another creative director to help until that point it was myself and a, and a junior creative who who's great but sort of running all of these uh creative projects all of these accounts and that was something like maybe i'd burnt out a little bit on in terms of how much i more i could give to enable us to grow so we fortunately managed to bring in a a great creative director for a couple of years who really um supported the growth aspects of the business it meant that i could get a bit more hands-on you know i could go back to my roots and i was able to to go back to focusing what on what I love, which was supporting our clients, the, their brands and their businesses to create content that has a purpose, that could create content that would engage with an audience that actually ga- gained value out of the, these pieces of film. You know, it wasn't just a video. So yeah, to go back to writing, to go back to creative strategy, but without some other pressures of, of owning your business um, entails on my shoulders um was a great opportunity for me and and that's what my day-to-day continues to look like still you know i am 100 percent a part of all senior management discussions and decisions and i'm still a co-founder of the business and a co-owner of the business and but i'm hands-on a lot more you know i'm filming a lot more i'm uh on shoots a lot more i mean january you know it's 21 filming days in january that i was on you know filming out and about meeting new people in new locations being creative even like even just that a year ago or maybe a year and a half someone say yeah we're out and about meeting new people like that's yeah something actually i really miss like working as part of a film team or just generally working in the film industry if you're you're involved in shoots like you get to see stuff and meet people that you Mm. 
don't necessarily do in day to day life. And that's not, it's not crazy. It's not stuff like, oh yeah, we did this. It's just, it's just meeting random people because you don't normally like, you know, at, at our age, you know, once you get to your thirties, yeah. like you're, you're, it's very typical that your social circle, you, you know, the people that you hang out with and the experiences you have become like limited, not limited, but just they become typical because yeah. it's harder to venture out. So I have to say, like, I, I miss that. And I think anyone that works in this, in, in the film industry would definitely like vouch for that. Like it's a massive plus point. Yeah. And engaging and being creative with people and forming relationships and trying to be as positive as you can be when up, you're up against time in stressful situations because you have yeah. to, you know, you have to execute this on the day and there's all these other restrictions than there were previously in terms of health and safety and COVID, um, having yeah. a COVID mentality as well, being safe wearing masks all day. That all adds to the pressure, but we were, you know, chomping at the bit to be able to get back into that. So yeah, it's been great that we've we've been busy filming and we've been busy out getting out and about and um and shooting again. We have those, you know, because of COVID and because of the pivoting that we did, um, pushed heavily into other areas such as virtual. Um, you know, same with you, Stu, like virtual events and virtual types of production that we weren't doing before that have actually become a big part of our business, a big part of our revenue, and that's actually bolstered our business. Um, it not only allowed us to survive through that period it's actually become a bolt-on to uh growing our business um which we continue to do today so yeah we're very and it's actually you know brought in clients that we maybe wouldn't have got if we hadn't pivoted into offering those services so yeah so work and i mean to, su to sum it up for me just like you know work has been a, a lot more about the craft in recent times than growing the business although growing the business is always something that we have to focus on and always something that I have to play a part in. It's just that, um, yeah, that, that, that opportunity for me to focus on our craft being the catalyst for that growth has seen a lot of benefits as well. Like, you know, we've never submitted to win awards or anything like that before the last couple of years, we've won more awards than we ever have in previous years and some really good notable ones, you know, uh, not for our ego, but just to be, acknowledged for the quality of our works that's meant a lot um something to be really proud of uh out of the adversity of the last few years so that's that's yeah that's worked for me and i know Stu, for you it's um it's been a similar story like the trajectory and it'd be great to hear kind of from starting out you know from freelancing when you decided to move to spain and kind of the challenges that you faced from then but also the benefits of that for you as well would be yeah, really interesting to hear. Yeah, I mean it's it's similar in a way. Just just me, rather than worrying about a <laughs> yeah. company of X amount of people and the stress of that. I guess yeah. you know, it's pretty obvious that the last two years that from the last two or so years that remote is here to stay. You know, the culture of or well, company culture has changed because of that. And I think that from my perspective opened a massive door into into podcasting and and the value of that you know i think podcast has been around for, for years and years now but the value of it certainly what i found from working with the different clients that i have over the last sort of 18 24 months is companies want to decrease the the verticality of their of their hierarchy so like how do they get and it was difficult before when people were working in offices but how do they get a ceo to speak to someone who's on you know 
on the shop floor, for example. How does that shop floor person get to speak to the CEO? By creating a podcast that suddenly actually I can hear from that person or even create a live call-in or whatever. And the, the technology is, even over the last two years, again, the technology has become like incredible and made that so easy. Like the importance of having internet, high high-speed internet at home, to even just have these calls, not just, you know, before it's like, well, do you really need it? So you can, you know, game at home, whatever. But now it's, you know, here I am with a fancy camera, which I would never have spent, you know, my child doesn't need an education. I'll just have a nice camera instead. <laughs> because it's, for me, it's important that all of my clients have the same experience. Whereas maybe two or three years ago, well, if my camera is, you know, only 720 people, whatever. Now mm. it's like, okay, well, hang on a minute. I'm a professional that sells myself as a guy who knows how to create good audio and good like video calls and and edit those up and make those feel intimate and 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 show empathy. And I have a crap camera. Like, how's that going to work? So yeah. So to answer your question, like it it's changed. And what I wanted to share really was like how my role before two years ago was as a freelance film producer with a bit of sound design here and there to predominantly and I and I don't joke when I say 80% of my work is podcast work, whether that be internal or external facing podcasting is massive because mm. we can produce it at a high quality level for fairly low budgets um, to be able to do that and, and connect people in a way that you just wouldn't have been able to do before. And what was, what was kind of lucky for me was it was, it was kind of like a mix of all of my skills, you know? So I was production management and planning that and, and understanding, okay, well, look, this is how, you know, have to work to timelines and how to communicate with people. And these are things I worked as a producer and a director and um, then before and still currently as a sound designer. So it's like, okay, once we've got everything sounding good and we've, sorry, once we've edited it and got it to where we want to, then it needs to be sound mixed and mastered. So all of those skills came into play. And obviously yeah. even like integrating music. So going even further back as a, as a, a novice music producer working with pop punk, punk rock bands, sweaty 21 year old garage bands to like understanding how music plays a part in that, you know? So it's and making the best out of nothing, right? Like making the best out of the things that you, you have at the time, you know, you can make something highly polished and commercial from very little. And I think that's, you know, the grassroots learning that you had with with the, the bands and, and and working with young artists has definitely sort of led to you being an expert when you're starting to produce, you know, these CEOs in large corporations with uh, yeah. maybe just their webcam. <laughs> yeah, and still, like, you know, you can advise people to say, look, you know, for the for 100 euros, you can have a 10 times better camera slash microphone. Mm -hmm. And they're like, yeah, but it's fine. So, okay, fine. You have to work with that. That's the parameters that you've given us and we have yeah. to be creative within that. And actually kind of slightly on that point to your, you know, your thing around learning, working with bands. The funny thing is, I think the one thing I learned from working with bands more than anything is what, how to deal with personalities, um, which I'm better at in work than I am in life. But I think you'll always find clients or participants, you know, there's so many different personalities and it's understanding that sometimes you just have to have that patience and understanding that how to how to word things to turn people around and say look you know calm down this is what we need to do don't worry it's fine or you know hang on a minute someone's being out of line like this let's have a firm holding on this like let's calm it down because there's so many different personalities flying around the room so that's something that even you know aside from like how to compress a voice or how to noise reduction on on whatever um it was that as well that's a really important thing and i think that translated and probably something that you can you can 
ascertain to like working on a film shoot like you'll you'll have a client you'll have actors you'll have crew you'll have makeup artists you'll have whatever and they're all there and it's like how do you manage those people in the moment because it's on you you're the guy in control of that situation so that's like a really key thing for me and we've kind of gone off on one but i just uh, just wanted to share that because i think it's like a really important part of working in creating content because you're normally working with people and your job is to get the best out of those people in various different ways whether it be technically or performance um and I just think it's it's really important. But yeah, so kind of just to wrap up on a work thing, I I just kind of wanted to share that my my world has changed massively. And and to your point earlier, probably for the best, because I suppose when I moved here four years ago and suddenly was working remotely, the challenge was always sort of convincing people that you're doing the work. Everyone thinks that you're sat here, oh, you're having a pina colada and or or a gin and tonic, maybe. But Normally you're not like you're working. They just can't see you doing it. So that prejudice or that sort of that worry about, is this guy actually doing the work? Well, it's been two years since everyone's been doing the same thing and we've still oh, doing yeah. the same amount of work, if not more. Yeah. So that's gone. Like that, that whole thing of worrying about, well, hang on trust that I feel like that's gone. And I think it's up to you. And in fact, being remote and being here where there is no local industry and having to work with clients who, who are in the UK or global or whatnot, like, I feel responsible, more responsible and more, um, I feel like I need to try harder almost to convince them. So I work harder to show them I'm doing it than I would probably if I was face to face. But even so, if they were, even if they were engaging with someone of your expertise in the UK, you know, everyone's doing it remotely anyway. So there's no reason yeah. why, you know, there's no difference to you being in Spain to, to around the corner in London. They'll still probably be doing everything remotely anyway. And, you know, bringing... I don't know, you know, the context of your your podcast, but people from all over the world into these conversations. So, yeah, it's not, I think even in the workplace, you know, just before, I mean, it's maybe a story for another time, but just before COVID, we signed a lease on a two and a half thousand square foot office space of our dreams to, how, to house all of our staff full time, five days a week, you know, have everyone in the same space. Within two months, mm. everyone was working from home, you know, and now... There's probably a maximum of three or four people in the office at any one time. So, you know, that how do you manage that team, you know, with without the the idea of needing to control everyone in the same space all day and micromanaging that way? It's like, well, you have to trust them to do their work and you have to mm. have the tools to manage that, to time track, to uh, track progress, to have the updates. Um, and then people can hopefully just be more focused in their own time to do a better job than they could when they were sat in an office being distracted by everyone. So I think, you know, I said to you before we started, but I think 2020 maybe was a massive benefit for what you wanted to do with your life and the transition you were going through because the world had to adapt in a way that supported what you were doing even more. Um, yeah. than it maybe would have if the expectation was no you need to be here like yeah you're gonna I mean, have to I, be mean in our I don't offices. I don't and it's probably something that I'll touch on later when we get to our life points but mm. I don't know how people like my dad or, or everyone else's parents or you know people who have had families and worked full-time as both parents how 
the hell <laughs> they dealt with working as hard as they did and also raising a family and, you know, having a home life. And you do because you have to. But I don't know how people do it. Like, I honestly, like, I'm so thankful for this that I have personally now because I think to 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 work in the creative industry is a big dedication to do it at a good level and and also ultimately make a living from it as well. So I think you have to sometimes make sacrifices and I think everyone who works in the industry will know that. Um, so I think it's interesting. I think it's helped everyone out. I think, like you say, I think 2020 onwards is kind of secretly, there's a silver lining. I think <laughs> so there's a silver lining. I, I think it depends on your personality, time. but I think for what our personalities are or for what we do, it's there, there's definitely been a silver lining to it in many, many ways. So... So yeah, so Shu, what have you been, uh, you know, we're talking about fun a little bit, you know, what we're doing for fun, what we've been uh, accessing or playing with that's fun for us. I think just to bring a bit of levity to our conversations, you know, maybe share, just uh, just tell us what, what's been fun for you this last uh, month or so. What have you been into? Well, I bought just uh, Black Friday, it was. Because they had an offer on. Yeah, of course and it was. This yep. year we're, of course it was, yeah. <laughs> yep. This year we're looking to uh, sort out our outside, our outdoor living space because we are here where we are. And certainly from sort of March, April onwards until about November time, you're outside practically all the time. So that's our priority yeah. this year. And so I saw an offer on the uni, the uni pizza oven and a friend of mine who, at Putman's Pizzas, by the way, just in case there's uh, some budding pizza fans out there. He uh, he has this pizza and he's had it pizza oven. He had it for a year and posts some incredible pizzas, homemade pizzas. And I was like, do you know what? We're going to do this outdoor kitchen if we can. I've seen this offer. It's going to save me a bit of money. I'm up for it. Let's do it. And since then, I've been trying to make homemade pizzas. And uh, I have to say that it's been an absolute disaster. Oh, <laughs> not what I was expecting you to say. No, well, not gone well. Not gone well. It came from also like we were spending I don't know silly money on on takeaways like once a week. It was yeah, let's get a pizza, let's get a pizza. And I was like, this is stupid. So anyway, I it also I also partly blame where we live and and find it very hard in the local area to find zero zero flour, which all these decent pizza recipes rely on having a decent flour. Here you can kind of just find flour, and that's about it. So. My recipes have been somewhat skewed. I've been trying things and my the trouble has been like launching a pizza. Apparently that's the thing. Who knew that the way you launch it changes everything? It's about heating everything to the right temperature and then dropping it. And then it's about not overloading a pizza. So, you know, you think about when you get a pizza takeaway and there's only a couple of toppings and you're like, what's that? You've just been so cheap. Well, actually, if you put too many pizza toppings on it, the thing's going to crumble and won't cook and you won't be able to launch it and take it out. Who knew? So, and exactly. So I've been fighting, trying and still haven't successfully found after probably about 10 or 11 different tries in the last month, two and a half. We have probably failed to find the right pizza base recipe yet, but I'm keen to make it work because I've spent too much money. So how often are you doing this? How often are you uh, experimenting? Because I'm fat enough already, but I'm keen to make (laughs) it work. And what what you know? What is your favorite pizza, Stu? Because I don't I don't think I know this. What's what's your favorite pizza? Uh, I'm, I'm a I'm a I'm a meat fan. Basically, just put some of course he is a good amount of meat on on a pizza. Although you know, I would at this stage just take a ha- I would happily just take a good margarita, considering how bad some of these pizzas have been. 
And I, t- yeah. I kid you not, there's nothing more depressing than launching a p- pizza in a 900 degree Fahrenheit, 900 Fahrenheit, 900 degree Fahrenheit, in a 900 degree oven, and then it falling apart and burning right in front of your eyes on top of your pizza of stone. So it's do, not a lot you can do about that. Do you make but another it's one then? depressing. No, because it's just, no, I'm just done. Give up. Because obviously you have to, when you make the base, you have to wait for it to, to ferment, you have to wait for it to rise, and that's, you know, 12, 24 oh. hours, whatever. So it's not like, well, just quickly make another one. Oh. So yeah, I'm, how, I'm how, really keen about, to make it happen because I Mar- think it's like a... Has Martha had a go though? Has, has, your, has your wife had a go at, at making a pizza? Was hers, did hers turn out better than yours or...? No, I need her help though, because at right. the moment, because again, we've got nowhere to put this pizza oven. So it's out downstairs in the garage on a stone floor. So I'm just burping because I've just had so too need, much to drink. You need some pizza tips. Is that is that what you're asking for? I'm getting tips. The, the challenge really is the fact that I can't find zero zero flour here in, in Cartagena. So, what, so what is, and, I'm I not, what, and I can what, import it, but who wants to spend five pound on a on a bag of flour? Do you know, do you know what I mean? Like I'm not. Yeah, I'm going to make it. What work. is zero zero flour? I, I'm not clear as to what this is. Super fine, as far as I know, super fine flour, which just helps it to raise better, rather than it feeling too thick and like. And then you get pizza flour that is pre-made that has the yeast in it, and then you get into this battle around instant yeast versus like fresh Finally. yeast and. I, I'm I'm a novice. I have no idea, but okay. I'm keen to make it work because I feel like it's going to be a good option moving forward. For we host a lot of people generally in our house because we have the space, and it, and I love having people here, and we love to host people. Um, so ah, yeah, yeah. You know, if you just said, look, you know, we're ten people, we're twelve people, let's chuck a couple of pizzas in, and it's done. Rather than oh, let's you know barbecue, and I'm a big barbecue fan, which I'll bore people with in the future, I'm sure. But it's just it should in theory be a little bit easier. Um, Hashtag left yeah. out. Okay, in yep. the future, mate. In the future, um, I want that swimming pool. I want that barbecue. I want. I mean, it's hard for me. I mean, count yourself lucky, Stewie, your pizza. I mean, at least you can eat it. You know, as a yeah. as a gluten and dairy intolerant man, I have to do some strange things in order to to enjoy a pizza. I won't um, ask what those strange things are, mate. <laughs> I mean, it's quite it's quite simple, it so. but it's uh, <laughs> it's it's basically puff pastry. If you can get your hands on some gluten free puff pastry. And that's your base for your pizza. Um, yeah. It, well, it's all right. All just right, got well, a, hopefully, just got a bit, the, yeah. Ho- yeah. Hopefully, well, ho- hopefully I can come and uh, you can treat me. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and I will have at least nailed one decent pizza in that time. I'll bring you so, a suitcase of 50 50. <laughs> I'll smuggle it in. Go on. Yeah. So tell me, I've rambled about pizza. Tell me about your piece of fun. Uh, fun. Well, I think, you know, we were chatting about, it could be not just what we've done, but some things that maybe, because I haven't done a lot, if I'm honest, I've been working, I've been shooting a lot. Um, maybe something that we've bought or some sort of technology that we're enjoying. So I, yeah, the thing this, this week that, um, I'm, I'm super excited about is I've finally decided to get myself an Apple watch. So I finally decided to get myself an Apple watch seven. And it's been great. I mean, I've only had a day with it so far. It's telling me that my heart rate is about 95 at the moment, which is higher than a resting heart rate should be. It's because so, you're very nervous because you're in a very important podcast recording. Quite possibly. So, um, but it's been fluctuating today. So, yeah, it, it's. I, I'll tell you what, the reason I haven't had one up to this point is um, because of the health um diagnostics that it provides i i 
getting personal, I'd suffered a little bit with health anxiety um, a couple of years ago to, to quite a bad degree. And me monitoring my heartbeat every five minutes probably wouldn't have been the best thing for me to do in terms sure. of worrying about my health and my body. Um, yep. So I kind of held off of it, but um, haven't got it. And obviously it's now into version seven or whatever. And just, just uh, yeah, I mean, I love watches. I've got a collection of watches. I'm a watch collector. Um, Give me your opinion. Slight yeah. side turn here. Give me your opinion on the the Apple Watch advert, the one in the forest. Yeah, the the fall detect or whatever it's called. I think it's great. Just simple, single one shot. It may have influenced the film that I've just shot this week. Mm. Um, but this idea. By the way, is... for anyone listening to this, we're not, we're not. This wasn't prepped. Huh. It's not. You know, we're just that in tune with each other. Go on, carry not, on. Not at all. Yeah, no, it definitely influenced the shot. This idea of, you know, commercials and adverts don't need to be complicated visual effects you know hoo-hahs um to be engaging and to be uh um successful in converting an audience i think that simple one shot push in immerses you it immerses you into the moment the the idea of uh the, the, the scope and scale of this forest and the idea of finding someone there you know that's clever creative and i think just to allow the audience to sit and exist within a moment for 30 seconds can be really um yeah you nail really the narrative you get the concept right like you say you don't need yeah everything else as long as it's done well like then absolutely it's not but it's absolutely it's like you get the right idea and that's more important man. yeah and you know apple apple and apple watch adverts historically are very snazzy you know they're very much let's use a robot to get some tracking moves and stuff like but this one, uh, yeah, I really loved it. So um, enjoying the Apple Watch so far. I've I've ordered myself a charger for it because obviously everything is contactless. Not contactless. Is it contactless? Contactless charging now with my phone and my Apple Watch and my AirPods and stuff. So I've got this like, I've ordered something called, it's called the Nomad Base Station, I think it's called. So I should be able to charge my phone, my watch and my AirPods at the same time. Um, and it, it ended up being cheaper to order it from America and importing it Would over. you consider yourself a, a bit of a Mac fan or an Apple fan? Oh, yeah, Sorry. completely. Like, Apple ecosystem uh, just works, doesn't it? You know, especially with the work that we do. And Could you know, live without an Apple phone? Probably. I just well, never yeah, have. I mean, ultimately, yes. You know, but, yeah, I think I got the first, the I've been iPhone since the first iPhone, and... I could, but I wouldn't want to. I mean, I, I, I if I had to, I hundred percent would, and I wouldn't be um, concerned about that at all. But but um, you think it'd have a negative effect on your productivity? I don't know. I don't don't know. I don't know because it's all I've ever known, really, or all I can ever, ever remember, and it works for me. Like it is, I know it inside out, back to front. It's efficient. It's effective. It does what I need it to do, and the fact it can all sync up together with my laptop, my my you know my watch and my phone, it's just it's just perfect. So. Yeah, so that's that was kind of the last piece of the puzzle, you know, apart from maybe upgrading to some sort of M1 chip compatibility computer. My Mac, my MacBook Pro is getting a little bit old, but um, other than that, yeah, I'm 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 on it, and uh, just gonna I don't know, I just need to dig deeper into the features because I really don't. I'm, at the moment, I'm not really doing much with it other than telling the time <laughs> and and seeing what data is and actually just what my heart rate is, which has gone down to 88 since we've been speaking about this subject. So 
Um, Good. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, I'm enjoying that. That's a bit of fun, little treat for myself. Um, it's not always like that, um, but it's something I'm enjoying. So that's all that counts. Good man, I'm glad. And uh, I think that little segue into an advert could lead us nicely into our next topic of uh, of love, which mm. is where we're going to talk about something that we've enjoyed or, or consumed, whether it be something on YouTube, whether it be a film, a new album, whatever. Yeah. Um, I would love to bring to the table five years later than it needs to be brought to the table, but I watched <laughs> I watched Mother with an exclamation mark the other day. Um, somewhat without any sort of sort of pre thought preamble. I had no idea, I'd never heard of it, I'd never seen any sort of gump around it. Um obviously was it, on t- was it on TV or did you um did we did you we like flicking through and fancied it or no this was a, this was one of those rare moments where both of my children were asleep by half nine at night. So I was like, mm. wow, well, let's watch a film and let's have something that I can actually escape into. So we'll flick through Netflix, found it, saw Javier Bardem, saw Jennifer Lawrence, and um went for it. And I think, yeah, without those expectations, I think you watch everything, don't you? You watch everything and and this is why I want to bring it to the table because I was watching it thinking, right, these characters are doing something weird. This doesn't really make sense. What's going on here? This is there's yeah. something that's making me feel uncomfortable. You know, you watch, and also the really long shots of from her perspective immediately made you feel uncomfortable, which I really like that technique. It was cool. I wouldn't want it all the time, but it works really nicely for that. Um, I started to go, okay, um, there's some sort of symbolism here. This isn't character and, and plot. This is symbolism someone's going on so you're thinking okay mother is it like from a perspective of a mother going through childbirth or your Uh pregnancy or whatnot and you're like well that's not really right and then you get to the bit where you know bit near the end and things change i'm not gonna spoiler alert just in case but (laughs) (laughs) i i just really enjoyed the symbolism of it and reading up after it and understanding you know it's from the perspective of the story of earth and earth's relationship with god and various biblical events which yeah i really i just really enjoyed it like it was cool it's a bit of escapism um there's some loose ends which i think is down to interpretation you know like certain things around what she was drinking that orange liquid and stuff and yeah just just thought it was cool I like, think it's all right. To, was, I think it's all right to spoil stuff as well, Stu. I think in these in these conversations, we can we can spoiler alert stuff, especially if we've especially if we've both seen it because it we you know it'll give us some stuff to uh, elaborate on. But I, go I on, actually so I, go, go on. on then. What, what were you going to say? You, you haven't seen it. I have seen it. I can't remember because it came out in 2017. So I was just Come having on, a quick look at some stuff on it. But so I do you're the remember, same director, yeah, or as who did uh, Requiem for a Dream, right? Darren Aronofsky, isn't it? Um, Which who also completely fucked me up watching that film as well, ten yeah. years ago or whenever that. Black was. Swan, you know, a lot of uh, mind bending. Um, yeah, the Fountain, Requiem for a Dream. Yeah, Darren Aronofsky. I, like I said, I don't remember a lot about it, but I do remember it being a film that sparked conversation after watching it. And they're films that I love watching. You know, to exactly. be able to continue the commentary after after seeing it other than saying well that weren't very good what was that you know like to, to actually have some questions unanswered and to be able to yeah. go away and do some research and becky my wife she's really she's, annoyed she's always doing that you know getting in into bed after watching a film and like spending the next hour or two like Googling yeah, 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 stuff, yeah. reading stuff yeah we did um, the same and i got really annoyed with it 
near the end. I was like, what on earth am I watching? Like, literally, why is this happening? It's annoying me. Yeah. And then you go, okay, maybe I know that this is about, you know, the story of earth and life and God and biblical events. And and then you're like, okay, I'm not annoyed anymore because there's some rationale. Like, you need, for me, I'm like, I need rationale. Give me reason for why this is happening, which is like, probably makes me give a little bit more perspective as to why I'm like I am and under- and really wanting control in my life, which again, I'll get to in a minute. But mm. it gives me, it makes me understand that like, I need that rationale. But it's great because we did the same. We, you know, you went to bed, you're like, oh, okay, I'm going to read up about it. Oh, okay, cool. That's just me being an idiot. And I, instead of just understanding this is what it should have been rather than worrying about the characters and the tone and taking it at face value. Yeah. So yeah, yeah so that was my, fi- my, my love thing. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, I guess you don't watch many films, do you? Um, you don't get the time to... <laughs> I mean, it's taken you four years to watch that one. I don't know, Come guys, on, how often we're going to be talking about films on this podcast uh, with Stu Rolls here, but I'm hey. glad you get, managed to get to watch that one. <laughs> yeah, I, I just don't know why I'm not hired as a film director anymore, mate. I just, you know... It's true, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, music, music producer doesn't listen to music. What, what are you talking yeah, about? What a surprise. Yeah, makes no sense. A podcast producer doesn't listen to podcasts. Um, I, I listen to one. Good. Well, that's good, at least, isn't it? <laughs> at least you know what one is. <laughs> Never mind. Um, we'll delete this bit. Sorry. No, that's all good. Um, what have I been watching this week? I mean, I'm not a massive music listener, so you probably won't hear me listening, uh, talking about a lot of music, but I probably will talk a lot about podcasts and TV and films because we're pretty heavy consumers of content. I probably have watched everything, um, which is something I am proud of. So... The, yeah, what for a bit like recently? Um, I was just going to talk a bit about the Mandalorian or both the the book of Boba Fett, should I say? Um, if you guys have been watching it on Disney Plus, you probably feel at the moment that it is more of the Mandalorian. The last two episodes have been very heavy Mandalorian based. Shu, do you know anything about this? Do you know what I'm talking about? Do I you know, know my. Do you know what Star my, Wars is? My my dad said it's quite good. Okay, but, but that's about it, mate. <laughs> Uh, it's good. Have you have you seen Star Wars, G? Have yeah, I haven't. I've been really meaning to watch the last, the ninth episode, but I haven't. So in Star Wars, there was a character called Boba Fett, and his dad was called Jango Fett, and they were both bounty hunters. So that meant that they would get paid to hunt down and either kill or capture criminals or just people that other people wanted dead, and they would pay be paid uh, highly for doing so and so yeah in in the original star wars films um uh boba fett was um a character that was only in like for a few scenes it was only in for like a very short amount of time yet became a really key character of the franchise and so you know for 30 whatever how 30 40 years later it is um and with this sort of reimagination of this of, of star wars within disney um they've released they released the mandalorian and we've released previously two seasons seasons of that, and now they've come on to release uh, uh, the book of Boba Fett, which is all about Boba Fett. But the the last two episodes have been essentially a, a continuation of the Mandalorian storyline from last season, where uh, Grogu, baby Yoda, do you know who Yoda is little green, yeah, yeah, the green one, yeah. So <laughs> baby Yoda isn't Yoda or baby Yoda. It's it's an it's a it's a it's a youngling of 
their species, Yoda species, and he's called Grogu. And he was uh, protected by Jedi, and all the Jedi got killed. And so he's on this journey. Um, people are after his blood because they want to create, um, I can't remember exactly what they want to create, but they want to take the, the midichlorians or the force out of his blood and try and replicate it for bad use or whatever. So the whole first and first, uh, second series of Mandalorian was protecting Grogu by the Mandalorian, who is a, um, a, a Mandalorian. A Mandalorian is like a religion. It's like a, it's, it's not his actual name. Um, right. and, and, and uh, Mandalorians is like a, yeah, a religion. And so in this series, um, we've, we've kind of gone back to them, see him kind of wondering how Grogu's doing, uh, going all the way to visit him. And we see Grogu start to go on, undertake his training from Luke Skywalker. And so what you'll find really cool about this, Stu, is they've, do you know who Luke Skywalker is, right? Right. Yeah. The, the Jedi, right? Yeah. So that guy, yeah. obviously first time rounds, a new hope mark hamill was like maybe late teens early 20s when he made those films forward forward 40 years and they've recreated or they read their their sort of face replacing um an actor to look like luke skywalker how he looked in a new hope return of the jedi empire strikes back so they're doing this sort of face tracking um effect and and reversing time a bit Benjamin Button, a little bit Benjamin right. Button, and it wasn't great last series, but this series it seems to be getting better, and it's I guarantee in a couple of years it will be absolutely honed in, perfect. You wouldn't be able to tell the difference, that and they can start like recreating fake, these. Right? Yeah, what was that film with um, Robert De Niro and last year or a couple of years ago? Um, big gangster film, and they did it. They reversed aged De Niro oh. and. Uh, the Irish, what was that? The Irishman, it? that's it. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, the technology's getting there. And, um, you know, it's, they call it deep, yeah, deep faking, don't they? So, you see these people post the, uh, the, these episodes being released, attempting their own version of deep faking Luke Skywalker and it being 10 times better than what mm. Disney managed to do, um, spending who knows how much money trying to do it. And so, what they did for these last two episodes is actually hired one of these deep fake YouTube guys to come in and attempt to improve the deep fake technology to mm. reverse age Luke Skywalker. And they had Mark Hamill come back and voice Luke Skywalker, apply some effects to make him sound a bit younger. Um, just so yeah, a bit been, pitch really shifting, good. right? Sp- yeah, sped him up pitch. and pitch shifting. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, people have been like, oh, his voice was a bit weird. It's like, well, yes, you know, he's 40 years older. Like, you know. <laughs> And they've they've added Come some on. effect to make him sound younger. But I do have a T-shirt to show you, and I want to show you my um my Mandalorian T-shirt here. That's good, mate. Can, Can you tell what that is, she? Um, it's uh, the 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 helmet stuff, yeah. And if anyone's watching, and you fancy you like the T-shirt, and you fancy picking yourselves up one, I don't have any links. I don't have any affiliate <laughs> links to earn me any money. Maybe in the future, but I got it from a website uh, called New New Rock Stars. And they also, New Rockstars, have a great YouTube channel where they break down each episode of this. They do it for Marvel films, they do it for everything. And they break down each episode. If you're a bit of a geek like me, when it comes to film and TV, it's worth checking them out. So that's New, New Rockstars on YouTube. I want to do that thing, which a lot of the people that I work with on podcasts do. And they say, just check out in the show notes. Like, we'll put some, mm. pop some links in the show notes. Let's do I that. Think, 
let's do that. I'm going to pop a link to some pizza ovens if anyone wants to get stressed with me about pizza. Alex can pop a link to T-shirts, which are far too cool for him. Yep. And generally, I think that's quite a good value point off the back of this podcast. Yep. Didn't have to pay any import tax on that one. That came all the way from mm. America. So, yeah. yeah. In the show notes, guys. Speaking about films and and kind of trying to segue into the next one, I'm just trying to find a transition point here. Okay. You, you get to watch a lot of films at the moment, Alex. I imagine that's probably going to change in the next few months. Why is that? Oh, because my TV license hasn't been paid. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, my subscriptions have been cancelled. Um, well, no, we've we've you know we've had some amazing news over the last few months. Well, we got amazing news five months ago, and that's that myself and my wife Becky are expecting our first baby, our first child. Um, so we're super super happy about that. Um, we're very, very excited. It's exciting every single day seeing Becky as she she grows, and as we've we've been getting all the scans and actually seeing this human being start to be creative. It's all very surreal to me. I still don't quite understand it or like believe it's real, but it's happening, mm. and we're very excited. And we're you know we had a couple of moments early in the pregnancy that are a bit scary, a bit touch and go, but everything seems okay. And, you know, we're just very excited now. You know, In the last couple of months, it's going to take before before the baby comes. So, um, yeah, everything's going to change. And I'm, I'm trying not to listen to the horror stories. I'm trying to take it as it comes in our own way uh, because every baby's different. Every family's different. And mm-hmm. if I have a baby, anything like Shoes Kids, I know <laughs> I'm going to go mad. <laughs> from what they're, i heard my and my kids are lovely they're just Mate, they're just kids they're bloody awful <laughs> like like sleep I, right sleep yeah what i did have a question actually what's probably the the most like realistic moment so like what i experienced is that you're the man so you've done nothing basically mm-hmm. and obviously becky your wife is doing all the hard work and then there comes a moment where you're like oh shit i'm a dad or oh, shit, I'm, this is real. Like obviously, they're dealing with it day to day. They're feeling the, the physical, you know, the the excerpts of that and everything. The, the bodies are changing. Everything. Have you had a moment where you've gone, "Wow, okay, cool, this is happening"? I think there was because for like me said, there to was... spark that. Yeah. God, no. For me to spark that was we we went for a scan and then we heard the baby's heartbeat. Yeah, so that's and that was nice. that's what I was hoping for. But we every single scan we've gone to so far, the sonographer has said that that's they don't do that. Um, so we've only ever seen the heartbeat beat. We've never we've never heard it. And I've asked, <laughs> and I don't know if it's specific to the hospital that we we're we're going to. Um, I've been told it probably isn't specific to the hospital we're going to. But um, I've never heard the heartbeat yet. So that's that's mad. I've seen it flutter and they say, yep, strong heartbeat. And that's great. But hearing it hasn't been a moment for me because I haven't been able to hear it, you know. So uh, definitely have started to feel some kicking. And I think that's been the moment. Um, you know, right. we have an app and we track the size of it per week. And you know, we're at twenty, nearly 23 weeks on Sunday. And it's only recently that um, 
the baby started kicking, you know, I think it's about 30 centimetres or what they like to describe it as, as spaghetti squash, which I don't know what a spaghetti squash is nor what it looks like, but apparently it's about 30 centimetres big. Um, So yeah, to have a baby in there now who's kicking and um, I get to sort of feel that occasionally, I'm sure that will get even more profound, but um, that's the moment. And I think, I don't, but I still don't think I'm going to quite feel the real, how real it is until the birth, until I hold the baby in my arms. From experience, it's that, it's like, how can you like, no. you know, you're still able to have a drink. You're still able to sleep at night, you know, all, all going well. Like, you know, there's your body's not changing in the same way. Like it's no, I think, um, I mean, I've had to do a lot more around house. You I mean, that feels, that feels oh, real. keep going, keep going. You know, we've got onto hello fresh, uh, so that I can do a bit more of the cooking. Um, because I didn't do a lot of cooking prior to, uh, pregnancy but i've been it's trying to play my part like it's yeah you know it's great it changes everything in a, yeah. in a way that you want it to and you can't you will not know like until it happens to you and everyone always says like, oh you wait and then you go you're like yeah, yeah yeah and you know but when it comes like then you're like oh that's what they mean and yeah. then the next week comes and then that's that's what they mean and like everything changes like constantly and it's just this constant like cycle of everything you know this is this moment and then you know in the next month oh this is my worry and everything and exciting man like it's it's great like i you know i've known you a long time and and as as much as i'm gonna get quite pathetic now like i consider you like a friend i consider you like a brother sometimes in the way you talk to me and and help me out and i can and at times you really like put an arm around me man and i think that's something that you'll be able to apply to fatherhood so well like i can Mm. i can really imagine yourself and becky as parents like really really easily so you know it's good yeah, we're we're really excited. I think you know it was always something that we were destined to do. I just think it's it's not something that we felt like we had to do when we were expected to do it. You know, um, and it's not to say we weren't trying to get pregnant. I think, but we we feel like the right times now. You know, that probably a couple of years ago wouldn't have been a good time to to have fallen pregnant and to have had a baby. But now we're kind of in a good place, and I think we're just excited um, to welcome that that creation into our lives i think so yeah it's just uh something to look forward to and definitely something that we'll probably share and talk about a lot as we do more of these i'm sure yeah i mean yeah. that kind of leads into my point as of life um and again reiterating that i have two children one that's two years and a bit one that's five months old and like balancing my focus really over the last sort of well, since new year, really having had a really good 12 months about having a, a long sort of two week, two and a half week break over Christmas, being able to sort of take stock of things and go, okay, well, where are things at and what do I want to do? Like what I've been doing right and what I've been doing wrong. Um, and I think as a freelancer, you do everything you can to, to maximize your career and maximize your income ultimately because yeah. you're, you have bills to pay and you want to do stuff. Yeah. So I would be the first to admit that I was very lucky that Marta, you know, gave me the space to to focus on work over the last three or four months. But it did mean I probably wasn't as present as I was as a father during the day, Monday to Friday, um, to be with both of our children. Um, and, that, you know, you can turn around and say, well, you know, most people, most dads over the over the X amount of years as, as working professionals wouldn't be able to do that anyway. But I had the choice and I chose money ultimately i chose my work 
Um, you know, it's great because we've been able to do things and we hopefully, hopefully we'll be able to do more things in the future. But I chose that rightly or wrongly. So I've been really keen over the next, over the last few weeks and moving forward to focus on building a routine that allows me to be more of the part, me more present in the house and be with the family more. Yeah. So, but I think, I think, think with about. that, Stu, as well, though, like, you know, it's, you, you don't work for anyone else. Like, you know, you have clients and when there's jobs, you take the job. You know, that's security. That's about security for your family. That's about, looking after them in that way you know it wasn't it wasn't something you were doing just to because you wanted more it was something you were doing because the opportunity was there and you knew that would create more security if there was a rainy day in the future right so you know i think that sacrifice is worth it longer term um for those for that, that short-term sacrifice so yeah i think my my niche my angle also is i am where i am right so there's no hmm immediate industry here so if i lose my contacts in the uk or clients in the uk it's harder for me to generate that i can't just go for no. a beer with someone i can't generate it as easily so i'm very keen to keep good relationships and i think also the other thing is i was really keen noticing my tone and communications with people becoming more direct and becoming more obtuse and maybe turning around and going my job is to make people's life easier and if i start being difficult because i'm too busy then people will turn around and find out find people who make it easy someone else yeah. so i you know so that was my two things making sure i've got more balance in life and turning around and and being more positive towards everyone that's in my inner circle work-wise of like you like solutions based and if i can't do it fine then i'll find you a solution yeah rather than putting a wall up so that's yeah. you know that's been my my plan for this year and moving forward it will be and yeah, I think we're on an hour, man, and and this has been a good chat and a long time coming. So, um, oh, quick, I've in, I've enjoyed this chat, mate, and I think um, I'd like to wrap it up and say I hope everyone else who's who's been watching and listening has as well. Um, hopefully, there'll be another one in the in the pipeline very soon. Um, but it's been it's been good. And anything else from from you, Alex, at this point? No, Stu, just great to catch up and I'm glad we're doing this. And yeah, just look forward to the next one. Thanks for listening and yeah, see you soon. Thanks guys, appreciate it. See you soon.